You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line with me today, we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. Hey, Jeff. Good morning. Another interesting week. Let's see where it's going to go. Always an interesting week. Always an interesting week. So let's take a look first here. Um, you've been talking a while now about um, Ebola. Obviously, we can see now in terms of where you've been coming from as far as the dangers it presents to us. Uh, how about an update in terms of what's happening right now? Sure. Well, Jeff, the reason I went there, I know I wrote an article about Ebola called Ebola, the tipping point about six weeks ago, because you could just see uh, that this thing might get out of control. In fact, it probably was out of control when I wrote the article. And it basically said that the numerical models suggested, like a lot of cases, quickly. And I can tell you that we are even above those models because it's for sure doubling every three weeks here. And, you know, the CDC came out and said, well, it might be half a million to a million and a half by Jan 15th, okay? Let's just imagine those. Let's go to Feb 15th. Now we got a million to three million. Let's go to let's go to March fifteenth. <laughs> now we got you know two million to uh, to six million. I mean these numbers are mind-boggling. The reason they're mind-boggling, most people don't get. The most important thing in studying Ebola is for people to think: Where do you get the caregivers? Where do you get caregivers to treat half a million people? It's an impossible situation. Exactly. We've, we've already seen in Texas, for example, at Texas Presbyterian, they had 76 workers that were one way or another in touch with Eric Duncan. You know that those 20, 76 workers are now on 21-day uh, isolation? The hospital can hardly operate. <laughs> and then they bring in two more patients from people who treated them already. Well, that means you need, an, what if you need another 76 for each of them? And they got to go in isolation. Obviously, your whole network shuts down. And this is with three cases. <laughs> so, and imagine the situation in Sierra Leone and Liberia. They can't get enough people in there. They, they've essentially lost control in those countries. Sierra Leone all but admitted it last week or sometime this week when they said, we just given up trying to treat people in, um, in, in isolated uh, treatment centers because we don't have enough people anymore. And we're, we're now suggesting, here's how you treat for people at home. Because we can't, we don't have, you can build all the beds you want. Where are the healthcare workers? You know, you got to, and it's not just one healthcare worker per person. God forbid it's the same number as had to treat Mr. Duncan, 76 per person. That would be right. st- staggeringly ridiculous, right? But don't, don't forget, it's a 24-7 job here. You know, these people aren't just sick during one shift, they're sick during all shifts, and the infrastructure needed to take care of it's crazy. Now, this week, I mean, what are the most incredible, I mean, I just can hardly believe the ineptitude of what has gone on in the United States and so totally prepared, low likelihood, all the statements from the authorities that everything would be under control, and now we find out they seem to have absolutely no plan. The fact that the two healthcare workers got Ebola is, is devastating in itself. Even worse than that is that we find out the second nurse, I presume with the authority of the CDC, travels on an airplane to Cleveland and back. I mean, I can't believe we read these things. And then I pick up 
the uh, the news this morning, and we've got a uh, one of those same seventy six people is on a cruise liner down in Belize. <laughs> it's just how how can you let these things happen? There's the the brain work going involved here involved in this is is kind of like de minimis, and you need people to be alert and sharp and focused. And of course, one of the problems is that the powers that be don't want to talk about it because it might affect the economy and therefore they don't really send out the rigid protocols, they're not taking the care, they're not getting the warnings out there because they're afraid they're going to scare everybody because of course the last thing we want is the economy to go down. It's okay if people die, but gee, we can't have the economy going down because the economy's in kind of a funk anyway. So the whole reaction has been as poor as you can imagine. I don't even want to take you to where these mathematical models go, and I would caution your listeners. Whenever I read the World Health Organization weekly release, more and more every week they keep saying that the case number of cases is being seriously understated, which means the model's already wrong. What if the cases are double where we think they are? You know, if they're double where we think they are, maybe we are going to be a million and a half to three million by, uh, by January 15th. In other, you know, it's, 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 one's a function of the other, right? It's an, it's an exponential function here. So, uh, again, I, I, I bring it up because, one, people have to think about this for their own personal reasons, and, two, they got to think about the economic repercussions of this and, and, you know, what happens to investment should this pandemic continue to, to expand. And it's naive to believe you can contain it within borders. I mean, people leave countries. We've already seen that. People will try, even the poor will try to get out of the country. So if we start hearing about, you know, these neighboring countries, Ivory Coast and so on, experiencing something, man, that would just, well, it's to be expected is what I'm saying. I mean, it's hardly, hardly logical that it won't go there. That's, that's just the bottom line. So be prepared. No, it's true, Eric. There's a lot of scary things happening right now. Um, speaking of scary, let's take a look at the global economy right now. Everyone's saying that we're in a global slump right now. America's in an economic slump. Uh, Europe and the Eurozone's in a slump as well, too. We look at some numbers that recently have come out from the States. U.S. retail sales fell to 0.3% last month. It was still after a 0.6% increase in August. The Federal Reserve in New York, the president there, reported that its manufacturing index tumbled to a six-month low of 6.2 in October. Everything seems to be in turmoil, Eric. What's happening with the economy and why is everything in turmoil? Well, we're in turmoil because the powers that be told us it would be a great year. There was no logic behind it. All we're doing is taking interest rates to zero and printing money. It never worked before. It never will work. It didn't work in Japan. I mean, Japan's probably the worst case. They're buying more bonds and more stocks than you can imagine, and everything's falling apart. So the belief in the theory of the, the, the central planners being omnipotent is slowly fading away. And, uh, you, and it, of course, it's very obvious in places like Japan. It's, it's sort of obvious that China's weakening. It's most obvious in, Ger- in uh, Europe, particularly in Germany, where obviously, you know, it, it looks like lots of countries are in recession. God forbid we have some black swan event, you know, brackets Ebola, and uh, the recession becomes a little deeper than we all might have expected. And, and one of the big things that your listeners should, should take care of is 
when you have, you know, all of a sudden a decline in economic growth, asset, paper asset prices decline. We've seen this in stocks. We've seen it in high-yield bonds. We've seen it in peripheral bonds. We haven't seen it in the treasury markets because that's where everyone goes for safety. And all of a sudden, bank balance sheets get stressed because pretty well every dollar in the world is either a dollar lent by the banks to somebody or a, or a dollar of assets that the banks have invested in these things. And as you know, my primary concern for the last 14 years is the leverage in the financial system, the banking system, they're levered 25 to 1, 30 to 1. Well, you get a 5% decrease in your asset value, you wipe out your capital. So if, it, if the economy continues to decline, people will start to focus on the impact on the banking system here. And, and of course, there's no reason to have money in the bank anyway, because you're taking on all the responsibility of their leverage balance sheet, and you get paid nothing to have your money there. Logic says you should have your money out and put it in things like gold and silver and other hard commodities. So. Um, everything's kind of playing that way. Of course, the powers that be always try to assure us that everything's wonderful. And I guess Chairman Yenel will come out today and say, oh, the economy's great and all that stuff. Uh, but it's, it seems very obvious that it's not great. I mean, I just, it sort of sickens me when they say we created whatever the number was, 214,000 jobs last month, and yet 319,000 people left the, the, the labor force. I mean, it's just, it's just a damn joke what, that people will fall in and believe these miracle numbers that uh, keep coming out. And it's all, of course, can be orchestrated by whatever you want to manipulate the statistics. And that's sort of what's been happening here. So, you know, we have incomes that, are, that won't rise. Uh, we, we still have inflation, even though CPI says we don't, but anybody who spends money knows we do. And of course, now we have retail sales declined uh, last month, the month of September, as you suggested. It looks like car sales are going to weaken off here. Um, like I, there's just, there's too many things to worry about to, to believe in a market that's risen, whatever, 300% off its lows here. So um, being very cautious is, is, is what we have to think about. I think they're just going to keep on pushing out some inflated numbers for now, Eric, to make things look better than they really are. But let's uh, take a look at precious metals right now. Interestingly enough, this week, uh, the price of platinum in London actually dropped for the first time in more than a week. Um, it actually fell below the price of gold. That hasn't happened since like April 2013. So what's happening within the, the PM market, Eric? Funny. It's funny, Jeff, because I look at platinum and palladium, and those markets are so easy to move around here in terms of people with money. I mean, they're so small, and I can't believe the the short positions that the commercials have taken in those two metals, and if they hadn't taken those short positions, the price of platinum and palladium would have gone crazy. I mean, we had the, the strikes in South Africa. You have this ongoing confrontation with Russia. I just think that someday Russia's going to say, fine, we're not going to sell any platinum and palladium. By the way, maybe we won't even sell any oil, and let's see where that all takes us, okay? Because these paper markets are so easy to push around. In, in that type of situation. I don't even want to look at the pricing of platinum plating because there's two forces out there uh, which are both vulnerable today. Imagine, imagine if Ebola was to spread in Africa. Excuse me, that's a number one producer. And what if the uh, Russians came on and said, fine, we're not going to sell any of this stuff. I mean, it would just be chaos, you know, instant chaos. So I don't, I don't put anything in, in prices that are determined in a, in a paper-driven market that's so small. I mean, I could probably take it down 28 bucks in a day if I wanted to. 
you know, as long as the guy doesn't ask me for delivery. Uh, and, and speaking of that, I want to switch to silver here because I did talk last week about the open interest in December still December silver it's still very very large it's up around 580 million ounces I think the Dieters might have something like 70 million ounces silver it's been it's been so resolute we now have five weeks left last week we had six weeks left it hasn't gone down much and um, it's going to be interesting to see if if those people step up and uh, and ask for silver I can predict what will happen the COMEX will just say eh, it'll be cash settled imagine if it's cash settled and with this huge fraud where the paper guys just knock it down in the full knowledge that when it when push comes to shove they'll just mandate cash settlement and who knows maybe they'll have that cash settlement at a nice low price when they all decide that you know it's just it's that's sort of what happened to the hunt brothers when they when they um when silver went up to to fifty dollars back in in nineteen eighty, and the the uh, the CME changed the rules, <laughs> they just changed the rules, <laughs> and I suspect that's probably what will happen this time because it seems obvious by the uh, backwardation of silver in China, uh, by the uh, mint uh, coin sales in all both Canada, the U.S. and uh, and Australia, that where we get data. Uh, the fact that the Shanghai silver inventories are falling, uh, that something's afoot. Uh, just as a little side note, by the way, a gentleman named Harvey Organ, who, who used to have a website called HarveyOrgan.com, he just hasn't received a court order, but he's given a court order to stop publishing. <laughs> and Harvey was about the only guy who was on this uh, December silver inventory thing and wrote about it extensively, and, and I used it myself just to keep up to date every day okay what's going on here and um, of course he speculated it's the Chinese that own the December silver contract and all of a sudden they're going to demand the silver and all hell breaks loose uh, so anyway his 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 blog got knocked down uh, by Google I don't know if he's actually received a copy of the order he suspects it could be the National Security Agency that, that knocked him off we'll see uh, but uh, to those your listeners who might want to look at his site it is available by the way on on a site called silverdoctors.com. They will be publishing it in the interim. So uh, we still get the information. That's where I get my information on the December contract. So, you know, there's all sorts of weird things happening in all markets here. Uh, I think the markets, for the most part, are totally disingenuous. Like, I don't believe the stock market should be where it is. It's too high. I don't believe the precious metals should be here because they're too low. But in the meantime, uh, the money people keep playing the games. And I just hope that the day is not too far away. I'd love to see December silver with a big, a big call, and all of a sudden they're forced to admit they don't have the silver. Something will happen very soon. I agree, Eric. I think we're, we're wrapping up here for a very interesting 2014. The end of the year, I think something big is going to happen. But let's just hope it's in the interest of precious metals at this point. All right, Eric. Well, thanks for joining us. We always appreciate your insight here on the weekly wrap-up. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks to come. Okay, Jeff. Have a good one. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap-up here on Sprott Money News. Have a great weekend.